episode 227 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It's your Sunday edition with me, Paul Spore. And as always on Sundays, I'm joined by Jason Collette, who is currently rehabbing. Jason, how's the knee doing? You know, I'm just happy to be here. I'm taking it one day at a time, but good Lord willing, I'll be able to help out the podcast. Hey, man, if the big guy upstairs allows for it, then I can contribute today. Good, it's good. It's good to have you back. I'm, I know your your uh, rehab assignment. We sent you out on rehab assignment at High A Rancho Cucamonga. You didn't do too well there, but we moved you up to Double A anyway, to, just to get you back in the podcast for Sunday. You were doing well. Because I I have to go pitch for the Tampa Bay Rays here soon. That's that's the thing too, because we've only got you for a very limited time because of that. Uh, I believe you're you have a three start week, a very uh, rarely seen three start week. You're starting Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday. So that's yeah, the following be- week it's gonna be it, it's gonna be me, Archer, Odorizzi, me, Archer, Odorizzi, then me again. Seven games on the schedule. I've got to oh. do what I can for the team. I don't know. I'd actually heard it was just you and Carnes all week, and then everyone else was Archer and Odorizzi left. Uh, they're just well, they're, they're not dead yet. They're not no, dead no. yet. No, they're fine. They're actually healthy. They just want to get away from whatever is infecting it. So it's just you and Carnes whole week. Uh, <laughs> obviously, we got to talk injuries, and and that's that's where we have to start. Um, that was uh, wasn't even the plan there. It was just obvious to start uh, as, with asking you how your knee is. Then, it, of course, it leads into the disaster that is your favorite team right now, injury wise. They're actually playing. All right, I, I believe they lost today, but but overall, yeah. you know, they're hanging in there. The Rays are, but now they've now they've just had two big pillars cut out. First off, you know, Cobb was a dream at, at at this point. He hadn't pitched at all, but Smiley had come back and looked pretty good. He'd given up a few homers, but he was missing a ton of bats and not giving up hits. So the stuff was nasty. It's just that there were a few mistakes within those three stars that got deposited over the wall, but everything else was looking good. It looked like Smiley was really getting on track. Cobb, a little bit less surprising. How are you handling these two issues if you're uh, if you're the Rays, and, and what fantasy implications do they have, particularly with Smiley, uh, who you now need to replace, whereas Cobb, like I said, was just everyone was kind of waiting on? Here's the thing with me, and I'm going to vent a little bit. I, I, I'm a little pissed off about how the Rays handled the whole Alex Cobb news. And if you, I, I tweeted this out, you know, Thursday or Friday. The, the but if you line. look at the, yeah, you look at the timeline. They said MRI revealed tendonitis. Then MRI, and that was March 17th. So they let him do all this rehab, and then we get to May 5th. MRI reveals partial tear. The next day, MRI reveals full tear. It's like. This either he hurt it during rehab, it was initially hurt. You know, where did this go? And, and I, you know, I'm all for guys trying to rest and rehab their way out sure. of this situation, all for it. Because Stefania Bell had that great piece about a month ago on Tommy John, and about one in three of these suckers don't work out very and, well. And we're about to talk about a, a, a story yeah, we'll talk that's, about that's second. really going to be putting guys on the rest and rehab trail over just getting under the knife. So yeah, continue. So yeah, that, that's what kind of killed me. I was like, okay, what's going on? You know, why is this happening? And then you know, the same thing with John Jaso. Oh, it's just a day-to-day wrist thing. And John Jaso still, I mean, he's on the 60-day disabled list. Oh, Drew Smiley's got some just some shoulder stiffness. Now he's out for the year with a torn labrum. It's like, what the hell? How does this stuff? Oh, it's to this. Um, and you know, with Smiley, you know, you and uh, you and Doug talked about. Uh, 
you and Doug talked about his delivery and how it's always been kind of funky. And yeah, you know, can Doug. we say, yeah, can we say that that's the reason why? Maybe there's there maybe some correlation there. Well, I, I actually, um, I'm actually waiting response from Doug. I, I asked him that a, a couple, uh, two days ago, you know, um, do, do you think that the concerns that you had for Smiley, uh, did those come into play here with this injury? So I'm, I'm kind of waiting to hear from him on that because I will be interested to see how much of it was in play. It, it, just because he got hurt doesn't necessarily mean that it was the mechanical issues that Doug had an issue with. He calls him the, the drunk flamingo, not a fan of his mechanics, but he'd been pitching brilliantly too. So, you know, that it, it, it that that one really shocked me. I did not. That's the. It didn't show up. It didn't show up in the velocity. He looked good in the Boston start. He gave up the home run, but he always gives up one or two a start. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, there's nobody on base, so he really didn't show in the velocity. His stuff looked good. I watched the last start. Uh, but and this is, I think, what you know, we have. What we've learned though is, and every player is entitled to their medical privacy. But it seems like the Rays are are really doing a uh, uh, throwing up major smoke screens. Like Desmond Jennings, you know, they held him out. We talked about this last week. Held him out. Held him out. Held him out. Okay, we're going to backdate him on the DL stint. Well, he's due to come back here in a couple of days, and there hasn't been squat about him. The only thing that was said is Kevin Cash in an interview Friday said that in, you know it made kind of a passive aggressive comment where he said, "Hey, you know, Desmond Jennings in his head feels like the turf is an issue for him." Joe Madden said the same thing a little bit last year. Now Cash is saying it. If I'm reading between the lines, Desmond Jennings is gone by the end of the season, if not before that. Uh, you know, he obviously he's not going to. He's a Boris guy for one. He's not signing here. Sure. Um, obviously, he's been a disappointment. But Jennings, I could see him being traded before the year's out if the team somehow doesn't hold this. You know, right now they're still on pace to win 86 games, and 86 games could win the American League East. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, say what you want about the Yankees now they're playing right now, but they've had incredible health so far, save Tanaka. Absolutely. And that old that old lineup has remained healthy, and and, and, we'll, and we'll see if it, if it can. By the way, do you think that there's anything in Desmond Jennings uh, that if he did get off the turf and did go somewhere else where he was happier, w- would you put him down for any potential late career surge back? You know, maybe up to the, kind of the levels that we expected, kind of a late twenties, early thirties surge, where he's kind of going twenty twenty every year instead of teens and 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 twenty stolen bases, or do you think this is what he is? regardless of the home home field that he's playing at for Jennings. Honestly, I think he is what he is because right-handed pitching is still a problem for him. Yeah. Uh, and that's not going to get better on turf. As far as implications for Cobb and Smiley being out, you know, now it's Archer, Oderizzi, Carnes, Colome is going to be there. Those are four, and Colomay's look good. The fifth starter is it, probably going to be the eraser. Looks like Ramirez is yeah. going to be taking that job. Uh, Andres pitched the other day, but Andres is a guy. He's sixty pitches and out. He's just he's been a, a real trooper. <laughs> he's had to do this a few times, but this guy is not a starting pitcher. He's going to be a swing man. I think I think Ramirez goes into the pen, and Andres becomes a swing man here eventually. I think they did just send. I forgot they make two roster moves a day, and I. Honestly, cannot keep track of him. But uh, you know, McGee's on his rehab assignment. He's going to be back soon. Uh, Matt Moore is on uh, is on pace to come back around Father's Day. Okay. Uh, all the reports about him are good. So they just got to they got to hold it for a month. And you can give Archer or Rizzi Carnes more and uh, more and Column eight, You know, decent five. It, it's not going to replace what they've lost. Not no. at all. And yeah, that's so tough. that's really that's really the fantasy implications of that. And I just hope it stops. Whoever's got the voodoo doll. Enough of this crap. 
seriously, they can't, they can't really afford to lose, uh, you know, Archer and, and, and Odorizzi stand above, but then, you know, Colin McCarns, they, they need those four if they're going to contend. Uh, they're sticking around. You know, that division is going to be very tight. I, I don't know that they're sticking around because the Rays are necessarily great. Uh, I do think it's just a tight division that uh, even the Red Sox, as bad as their pitching's been, I don't put them out of it. They've got the assets to fix that, and they can make up even a, a, a six-game deficit that they're, that they're uh, facing right now. Uh, you know what the it, Red Sox problem is? What? In the month of May, going into today, they were 5 for 59 with runners in scoring position. Oh my God! See, five for fifty-nine, and they 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 can't they can't really get too many cold streaks offensively because they got to cover the pitching. They're almost um, you know a, like a Colorado-esque sort of team. They just got to beat their way to to it. And obviously, I'm not saying that Fenway is Coors, but that that sort of scenario where when when Colorado's good, it's usually because they got a couple pitchers. Holding, holding the line, not really excelling, and then everything else is just uh, offensively based. So the Red Sox, yeah, they can't afford to be having cold spells offensively with this. And they're six for sixty-two now in May after a one for three today, uh, as they supported Cletus, who uh, probably had his best game in about five starts. Oh, how did he end up doing? I didn't pay attention to that. He won. Uh, he did. He did have a scoreless first inning where he walked three guys, uh, but pitched around it and stranded them all. But Cletus had a good game. They, uh, the Red Sox got to Dickey, and then Cletus Dickey, got himself man. a win. It was, a, it was a uh, one of those quality start kind of wins, yeah, but, a, but a win is a win, and you'll take it sure. uh, from him. And I wrote, yeah, that's uh, that was actually the subject of my article at Rotowire this week. Uh, we talked about our two boys, Tillman and Buckholtz, and, oh, and you know, when to pick up and when to let go. And you look, this was the stat that I brought up in the uh, in the article. If you look at a couple of metrics that we like to use strikeout rate, strikeout minus walk rate and swinging strike rate. Clay Buckholz is one of six guys to be in the top 15 of all three of those categories it's behind ridiculous. Kershaw, Scherzer, Shields, Fernandez, Carrasco and Archer. Buckholz, he's in that company. So despite all of that, it's like that's what and what, he, what he, what's killing him is the guys on base and that and today he did better with it. And that that's really so you look at the company he's keeping with missing bats and striking out you're like, "Man, this this should be so much better. And I, I think I talked to you about – I think I, I am you, but I did – I don't know if we talked about it last week. I did trade uh, Nate Carnes and Roe Mondesi Jr. to get Clay Buckles. And, and it's I, not because I, I hate Nate Carnes. It's because, you, you know, you look at these numbers for Buckles, you're like, this has to get better. It has to. It really does. Now, the the, the piece there, though, the, the where there is the divide of stats and, and kind of scouting is the mental aspect for him. And oh, that's yeah. why some of the some of the negativity that goes with his stat line is is believable. And you can understand why he isn't fully uh, excelling on those numbers. That said, Buckholz is better than a six ERA pitcher. So the mental piece uh, can't be that bad. There has to be some bad. When you're putting up these skills, I mean, with a 407 batting average on balls in play, that come on, 50, 51% ground ball rate, it's got to be better. I'm I like, a, everyone knows I'm not a fan at all. But even that, when you look at that, when you're striking out 27% of the batters you're facing, uh, walking 7%, it's got to be better for Buckle. So, I, yeah, I, I totally approve of that trade. I understand that. Uh, let's keep talking about some injuries here. we got injuries, then we'll cover some performances, player movement, and then we'll talk about some bullpens. But uh, apart from the Tampa Bay pitchers, terrible news for Jared Parker. Just unbelievable that uh, he, he – 
broke a bone in his in his arm that uh, is is related to the Tommy John rehab. I, I, I don't un- fully understand. Uh, I've never heard of this piece uh, in, in the arm. You know, I'm not, I don't know if anybody else has injured it. I've never heard of a fracture, fractured medial ep- epicondyl. Uh, epicondylar fracture. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that. Literally never heard of that. So I'm not saying it's never happened. It's just. I guess guys aren't usually said to have that, but it could lead to a third Tommy John surgery. Either way, it's going to require some sort of surgery for Jared Parker. At some point, you got to you almost probably run out of the will to keep doing this, the rehabs. I, I hope it isn't the case for him because of just the, how much I liked him as a pitcher and how great I thought he could be. Um, and you don't want to see anybody like lose their livelihood at age 26, but you got to wonder, does Jared Parker have another full rehab in him? I don't know. He says he does. And, I mean, that's what you speak. I tweeted it out yesterday. I said, that, you know, that's the love of the game. There's a great article by uh, Sam Yam over at Athletics Nation about this. This is understanding Jared Parker's injury, and he does a great job of breaking this down. Uh, you know, Sam is one year away from getting his, his uh, uh, doctoral diploma, whatever you want to uh, – doctor degree. What I, forgot, I can't even think doctorate? of what it's called. Doctorate, thank or whatever. He's he's his study. He's one year left of medical school, and then he's Damn. done. So that's where. So he does a great job of breaking this down, uh, and that's. Uh, and so you look at that. I just don't. And again, it goes back to the Cobb thing, man. There's no guarantee. I honestly forgot Jared Parker was trying to come back from a second one. I thought he was done, and I don't know how you bounce back. I don't know. You know, Johnny Ventures is trying it with the Rays right now. He they, they signed him to a deal. You know, he's had three of those suckers, and he's trying. Uh, and you know. If somebody's going to pay you to do it, great. And he obviously he's getting paid to do this. But man, you go back and look at some of those those hundred and eighty five, hundred and ninety inning seasons at twenty three and twenty four, and it makes you wonder. It's 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 so brutal. I I feel I feel awful for Parker, hoping he can uh, get back on track and, and pitch again. Obviously, A's aren't counting on him for anything this year. They're they're mired, you know, twelve and twenty in the in the bottom of the uh, in the bottom of the division there. Despite some some high quality performances, obviously Gray and Casimir have pitched like an excellent one-two. They're getting a lot of good offense. Uh, it's actually been pretty hit or miss. You know they got dead spots with Sogard and Brett Laurie and Sam Fold, but everything else is clicking. And Stephen Vogt been playing like the best player in the league, so they should definitely be better than 12 and 20. They'll probably have a run like they seemingly always do. Uh, bullpen's been a little bit uh, a little bit of the problem here, and I think maybe they'll they'll. T- Tidy that up. Um, obviously, Sean Doolittle coming back will do will go a long way toward doing that. You know, Kendall Graveman dug a huge hole. AJ Griffin, someone you got to keep an eye out for, though. He's working his way back just from his first Tommy John. Uh, elsewhere, Alex Avila and Aramis Ramirez are both slated to. Well, Avila's already going on the DL. Aramis Ramirez could go on the DL. Avila with a knee, Aramis with a back. I kind of lump them together because they, they strike me as having similar kind of blah fantasy value. And I think Ramirez is just kind of falling down. I think maybe we're understanding, uh, you know, why he might be ready to hang it up here. I, I, I want to say a fully healthy Ramirez could, could probably still be a decent bit above league average. But is he going to get fully healthy again at age 37? So uh, Avila wasn't hadn't been playing great this year but the last thing that the fantasy community needed was another injury at catcher Um, jeez it's ridiculous it's it's obscene so from another starting catcher goes down although james mccann is off to a good start uh i don't know if he can if he can 
continue. He just doesn't seem like a, a great hitter. Uh, he strikes me as somebody who could be like a 10-year catcher type backup, vacillating every once in a while in between a starting role. But I'm not sure how great the bat is for James McCann. He's going to be the replacement for the Tigers. And then Aramis Ramirez, uh, who knows what they're, they're going to mess around with, what, Ileon Herrera at third base? I don't even know. Nothing that you really want to get too involved with uh, between Hector Gomez or Ileon Herrera with, with the third base situation in uh, Milwaukee. Do you have a, any thoughts on either of these? I don't. I mean, the catcher thing is really the big thing for me. What I noticed when I was uh, setting the FanDuel lineup the other day, tw- that this now makes 12 catchers on the disabled list. When I'm scrolling wow. through, Darno, Weeders, Lucroy, Laird, Jaso, Messerocca, let's go ahead and call him DL since he's <laughs> useless. Uh, Vasquez, Mathis, Navarro, Hannigan, Kratz, Brantley, and now uh, Avia. That's There's, that, all these dudes are hurt right now. And, and Jaso, let's throw Jaso in here because even though he's not listed as catcher, or, no, I didn't mention his name. I'm sorry. But the, the other thing that cracks me up is how some of these guys that are hurt are still costing like three thousand dollars. Oh no, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and it, it's so tough, especially in two catcher leagues. You're already scraping, and and now to have so many injuries, it's it's getting rough out there. <laughs> uh, and you know, Mezzarocco, the way they're handling him is so bizarre. He had all those pinch hit appearances for like weeks upon weeks he starts two times at dh this weekend so now you know uh, anything that if they go back to non uh, american league parks and they don't want to play him again because of catching you're just going to get one one pinch hit appearance per night from mezzarocco it's really brutal one catcher leagues 10 10 team mixers i kind of get it people that are cutting him um you know if you can hold the course i would because we've seen the upside with mezzarocco but i understand if you move on and then our last injury is uh, Michael Saunders. He's going to hit the disabled list with the knee. And, you know, he proves as another great reason that you can't really trust timetables for anything They're as, as set in stone as I think people do. Too often in the fantasy community we say, oh, he's coming back here as if it's a guarantee. Remember when we got the, the good news? First off, it started the knee injury. Oh, he's going to be out for half the season. No, he's actually going to come back. He, uh, Saunders could be back for the start of the season. Yay. Yay. Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't back until April 25th. Hasn't done anything in the nine games that he's been back, and now he's back on the disabled list. You just never know. And that's why, you know, the, here, here, the main reason I bring this up is because of the timetable thing that you love to stress, but also the fact that in drafts, I know a lot of people who like to, you know, be sneaking and get the injured investments because they remember the two times that, that it worked out. You know, that Cole Hamels last year, you bought him injured. He came in, he was an ace from the time that he played uh, until the end of the year. Great. But we never really focus on the ones that don't work out. And you didn't have a huge investment in Saunders. But by the time draft season was at near the end and it was looking like he was going to be ready very early in the season, he was going for a decent price, and, and now you're getting nothing from him. So uh, it's been rough with, with Saunders trying to get back on that comeback trail. What do you think of Kevin Pillar? Because he stands to benefit most here, and I can't get too excited. I still feel like it's a defense-only sort of profile. Uh, agreed. And actually, because I have Saunders in AL Towers, and uh, I knew this. I mean, I paid 10 bucks for him. I was playing a, a risk on it, and just like sure. every bit of my team, it's all on the DL. I, I'm not bitter or anything, not at all. <laughs> but when you lose, when you have, uh, you know, I was trying to put a lineup together. I'm like, really? So I've got no JSO, I've got no Lowry, I have no Saunders, I have no Cobb, and I have no Holland Jeez. already. And that is for a 24, 34, uh, 42, 
and uh, $56 of my 260 draft day dollars are on the disabled list. So, yeah, uh, but I'm still in fifth place so far. Uh, but honestly, I put a bid in him for Colabello. I mean, I don't even think Colabello, we saw it last year, he was Mr. April, and then he hey. flopped. But to yeah. me, I think you bat wise, you need a bat, and I think you, you try to make uh, you try to make room for him in the lineup, and maybe you play him at DH and you move, uh, uh, see what they can do on the uh, see what they can do on the roster. But honestly, I put my I put my money on Colabello. He's a better investment, fantasy wise, than, than Pilar. Pilar might have more guaranteed playing time because of his defense, but Colabello is going to do more with the bat, even in his limited playing time. I, th- I think you're making a good call there. And we've seen that he can get hot. You know, I, he got so hot for the whole month that you almost started to believe in it. And obviously he fell off, but Hey, when you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle in an AL only, I get it. I like the move. Let's talk about some uh, performances lately on the plus and negative side. There are some big pitching performances today. Kind of want to get your read on some of these guys as we're going forward. Michael Pineda, had you know kind of his coming out party here i think he's been bubbling under the surface uh you know he was great last year but only 76 innings he's been great so far this year uh the skills are there but this one kind of says to anyone who maybe was you know kind of missing the fact that he's a he's a beast and he drops 16 strikeouts today on baltimore pineda goes uh seven strong that's the crazy thing too only needed seven innings to do it six hits one run zero walks 16 strikeouts zero walks one of his hits uh for that run was a homer to to jj hardy fine you'll take it the dude can hit i mean the command and control with this guy and the filthy stuff this is an ace in the making it's just a matter of the health piece and i still can't buy the health piece yet but I've said it a million times. I'm willing to buy the the ace that's in place here and and pray for the health as opposed to the other way around. Hope on, hoping a guy takes a couple steps forward uh, developmentally. The stuff is all there for Pineda to be a beast, and we're seeing it. I'm fully invested uh, wherever I can be at this point. You know, I, I didn't get him in as many drafts as I wanted just because I missed out. But uh, I fully believe in what we're seeing from Pineda. So the, this goes back to my point earlier about this team being really healthy and it working out for them. So sure. here's some num- here's some numbers for Pineda. So this was today. This was his 48th game of his career. So let's talk about. I'm going to separate everything else prior to this year and compare it to this year. So prior to this year, Michael Pineda was throwing strikes at 68 percent of the time. This year it's 70. Not a, not much of improvement, but the same. 36 percent of his balls were put in play prior. 36% put in play this year. Chase rate, 31% prior, 31% this year. Swinging strike rate, 13% prior, 13% this year. It's the same It's the same Michael Pineda. Still this is beast. what he was capable of. I mean, yep. He's the same dude. He just threw a 16 strikeout on, on a pretty bad lineup these days. I mean, that, that Baltimore lineup, it's got a ton of swing and miss in it. I mean, they're missing Hardy, who's a high-contact hitter. They're missing, uh, you know, Flaherty. They're missing Weeders, obviously. Uh, Chris Davis is, you know, all or nothing uh, to the extreme right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Delman Young was in the game today, so Delman Young against right-handers. Uh, yeah, so it's... I mean, to me, this is this is what Michael Pineda has always been capable of. It's I, just I, a matter I, of it's just a matter of how many innings past 140 are you willing to bet he's going to be there for? Well, we'll get into some comparisons about him against some other guys. See where you kind of value him. Uh, we got to talk about Garrett Richards too. He was kind of working on a no-no. Never was really going to complete it because of uh, his pitch count. 
we're seeing Garrett Richards. The K's are climbing. Yeah, I think he had nine today, but he's still toting a 13% walk rate, which uh, I'm a little bit cautious on with Garrett Richards because this is something from his past. We, we've seen we've seen this kind of uh, wildness, uh, effectively wildness, uh, if you will, because he can still get the swings and misses. His stuff is still devastating, and he has a track record now from last year where uh, you know guys are f- afraid of him enough to not just spit on everything. Back back in the day, uh, you know they they would just kind of make him come in the zone before they, they'd give him the time of day. Now he's still getting that. Uh, those swings and misses, I do worry that folks will stop swinging as much if he can't get better command and control. So I'm a little bit worried about Garrett Richards, but you could also go the other way with it and say he's kind of building up, uh, didn't have a normal spring training, still kind of, you know, the knee might not be 100% yet. Still seeing good glimpses of good, but where are you with with Garrett Richards? Are you are you at all concerned about this thirteen percent walk rate? I actually watched that start uh, today, and you know, effectively, Wild came came to mind. Another one like Pineda. If you compare last year to this year, thirty one games versus five, obviously, but a lot of the numbers look identical. Percentage of strikes thrown, same. Uh, looking at chase, the chase rate. That's one thing that speaks to what you were talking about. 31% of the time last year, 28%. So they are swinging a little less often within this year. Called strike rate is actually a tad higher this year by less than a percentage point, but it's still higher. Swinging strike rate is higher this year. He is throwing more pitches per plate appearance, though. 3.9 to 4.1 is what it is this year. That adds up over a course of a game. Sure. But overall, same dude. Uh, and I would, I, I'm actually. Talking about coming back from injury when that thing happened last year, man, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm so but, bummed. Yeah. And, and he's, I mean, he looks, he doesn't look like the guy that was just shoving it down everybody's throat last year. But I, I still like what I saw today. I was like, yeah, this, he's back on the right track. And you have to think that because he, he with the late start and everything, I'm giving him a little extra leash. Uh, but I'm pretty optimistic of him heading forward. I, well, I think the walk rate, unlike, unlike Tillman, you know, that walk yeah. rate looks like a disaster. I don't, I didn't, when I was watching, Richards today, I didn't have that same feeling that I do when I watch Tillman. No, and I agree with you there. I, I, I'm I'm not terribly afraid of it when I'm seeing it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay, you know, he's walking guys, but he seems in control. The only thing is, it will cut into his innings because he'll run up the pitch counts, and they're willing to stretch him out, push him into the one teens, one twenties, um, every once in a while because he's that kind of horse. But again, that will catch up. Um. I'm I'm curious how you feel between the two then, Garrett Richards or, or Michael Pineda. Wow, um, I think I'm going to go Richards because mm-hmm. of you know he doesn't have the history of the arm, uh, recent history that. of the arm. I, I understand. One thing I will mention about Pineda that we didn't cover, um, he's become a ground ball pitcher too. That's one thing I absolutely love. One one big difference in his game that I do love, 39% last year, 36% with the Mariners, up to 54% this year. So I really like that piece of his game. Um, and man, I, tweeted, I, so I tweeted it out earlier. You know he has a 339 BABIP right now? Yeah. that's uh, like the, the crazy thing about both of them, because you mentioned that uh, we're not seeing the – God, Shane Green is garbage. Um, I, I, I don't even want to watch Shane Green pitch anymore. I'm so pissed off. You mentioned that we're not seeing the same shoving it down everyone's throat, Garrett Richards, last year. The beauty is the results have been there as if he is doing that. We haven't seen it yet, but if he's building up the way you say on Garrett Richards – and he could get better 
the results are already there because he's been kind of skating by. Nobody's really – not skating by. I don't want to say he's been lucky because we're saying that these walks haven't been a, a sign of, of wildness, that he's out of control and he, and, he can't, and he can't get on track. Teams aren't punishing him for the walks though. They're, ju- they're just not right now. He's walked, I think, three-plus in every start or at least two-plus in every start. Um, and, and so the teams just – they're not capitalizing. And so the ERA is still way down there. I'm taking the long way of, of answering. I, I think I'm giving it to Pineda by a hair, although I, I fully understand that the, the injury issues that loom over him are, are substantial. So uh, I've got these two very close. That means Pineda's moved up. It hasn't, it's not really because Richards has moved down at all. It's just Pineda moving up for me. And, I, and if you own Pineda, by God, start Mark. You, you, you have, have to, to put him out you there. You do have to. It, yes. it, the thing is you could always say no. This is where you test the waters, especially coming off something like this. And here's where you're selling it. You're selling it. Look at this absurd strikeout to walk ratio. Yeah, I mean, thirty percent strikeout rate and a two percent, a two percent strikeout minus walk rate. It's absurd what he's doing right now. And this is where you're pushing it. And keep, you know, these are I mean, truly. You're not even exaggerating. These are elite numbers he's putting up, and you need to sell the crap out of this. And if somebody's willing to pay, and Lord knows his pitching is dropping left and right, sure. Somebody's going to be like, uh, yeah, this is the time of year you do that because everybody still thinks they're in the league. Everybody still thinks they have a shot okay. in, in early to mid-May. Here, here we go then. What what about uh, Pineda? Would you take back Jordan Zimmerman? from? I know people aren't going to do a lot of one-for-one pitching. I guess we're just trying to get an idea of where he is with this because you're probably not going to go out and just try to make that trade one-for-one. But would you take Jordan Zimmerman, who was okay today against the Braves, but still not kind of his dominant self either? I don't know. Track record I would tell me, yes, I should. But, but really, would should. you? But would you? Because I agree I with you. Track record, track record says you should, but I don't no. know if I would. Okay. What no. about um, Archer in a one-for-one? One? Yes. But wait, let me take that back. No, I wouldn't do that either. Okay. Um, I think you would do this one, and, and I wonder. And then you could tell me if you think there's any chance this could get done. Garrett Cole. Oh, Yes. Uh, we definitely would, but do you think there's any chance it could get done, or would you have to throw a sweetener? And in which case, would you throw that sweetener if you had to go like Pineda and, let's say, a hot um, Jake Marisnik? You got both of these guys; they're they're you know both playing over their heads. Even if you believe in them, they're both playing over their heads. Um, probably Marisnik more so. But would you give Marisnik and Pineda for Garrett Cole? You know, I don't even think I have to do that because I have Michael Pineda. He's pitching for the first place Yankee team that's <laughs> scoring runs. That's you true. have you have Garrett Cole, who's playing for the Pirates that don't score runs, that don't draw walks, and struggle to give you run support. I mean, your Garrett Cole should be six and zero this year, and instead he's four and one. It's a miracle he's been able to win those four games. Strikeout rates great and everything, but I've got run support. I've got the amazing strikeout to walk ratio. You don't. Yours is only three point nine to one. Mine is eighteen to one. That's it's it's bananas. What 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 Pineda is doing? Um, yeah, a, a straight one for one. I, I don't know if it would get it done. I think you would have to throw in something. Don't know. You'd have to throw in the tenth rated outfielder on ESPN's player rater though, and that's currently where Marisnik is. Um, even if you you're skeptical about how how much of it he can hold, and I understand that. There have been improvements in Marisnik, so maybe don't go that high. What about uh, one last one here? Let's see. 
Pineda and Avisel Garcia for Garrett Cole. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you know, you're still giving that, that's still a pretty decent sweetener there. If I'm if I'm the one with Cole, I could uh, I could understand that. Maybe I'm I'm uh, str- hit hard in the outfield or something like that. Ideally, what would be kind of cool is if the Cole owner in your league had catcher issues and you could fulfill those because th- th- there's a good chance that uh, what. Half your league has legitimate catcher issues right now, so there's maybe the 50-50 shot that the Cole uh, owner happens to be one of those guys. And then maybe you could parlay it that way. I don't know, Grandal and – what about Grandal and Pineda? Is that too much? I think I, it is. I kind of believe in Grandal, and I, I really you like – You have. You've been on, yeah, you've been driving that for a while. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to you. You were like all offseason. Oh, I love this dude. I love this dude. And, uh, you know, if they just leave him, it seems like they're pushing him around the lineup here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but, yes, I would uh, – I think that would be too much. I think that would be a little bit too much too. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about um, a guy who y- you might not feel like really compares with these first two that we're talking about. But all he does is continue to go out and just pitch extremely well. You want to talk about sexy strikeout-to-walk ratios? Well, here we go. Bartolo Colon has a 40 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio with 40 strikeouts and one walk that's his, that, that's ridiculous i buy the 330 era and even the 90.99 whip i mean cuz when he's pitching at his best he he can be that i i think that can maintain i'm not saying it will um i, I still kind of view him as more of a 360 era kind of pitcher cuz there there's going to be that one dud for cologne where he gives up seven earned in three innings um but do you buy this 22% strikeout rate here? Because I could totally live with a 360 ERA if I'm getting just above league average Ks, which usually not the case from him, uh, from Cologne. So what do you think All about right. what we're seeing from Bartolo Cologne? I totally buy it um, because it's the National League East. Bartolo Cologne has faced the Braves twice, and the Orioles was his last start. He struck out nine of those guys. Uh, good. Further accentuating your point about, listen, we're not trying to denigrate what, what Pineda did. He went out there and absolutely dominated. Anytime you get 16, that's great. But this Baltimore lineup isn't as fearful. I'm almost seeing Baltimore as kind of like a Houston where um, you should be afraid of them every once in a while. Like I don't know if I would want to go against them every day in DFS because they are going to wallop some folks. But what three out of three out of seven nights, they're going to be pure garbage. Uh, maybe another night they're going to be mediocre. Uh, and then maybe two nights they're going to be good. I think that's only six nights. I'm an idiot. But four out of seven nights, uh, it seems like those two teams are going to be pushovers and, and deliver big Ks. So, yeah, we're seeing some some big strikeout totals from Cologne, but he hasn't even faced Philly yet. That's what I love nope. about him. You talk about the NL East, and I, w- I was targeting NL East guys, even some of the mid-tier or low-tier guys late in drafts just because they were – you know, guys from the Mets and um, obviously the Nats, but that doesn't even count because they weren't cheap. They weren't available late. But Mets and Marlins, I was kind of targeting late because they had Atlanta and Philly. I maybe should have added some of the Atlanta and Philly guys because they would have the Miami uh, in there too, and that offense just hasn't panned out. So you buy Cologne, but how much do you buy him? I'll I'll ask, but I don't think that's the case. Would you take him over any of the other two, uh, either of the other two guys, Pineda or Richards? No, no. Okay. I mean, the, it's, it's absurd to see the thirty-four to one strikeout to walk ratio for him. Yeah. Hey, that's just that's it's filth. Forty and the to one, one walk after today. It's forty to one. Oh, okay. I didn't realize he pitched today, so forty to one, and that that's filth. The one walk came early on. I, I would like to see if it was you know how many you know when the walk came. If it was a leadoff walk, it's like what? How did this happen? But he's got one walk on the year, 
and I, I would like to see when it came because it's find just out sick. For you. I'm looking right now. Uh, it was the it first game against he Washington. Walked, he walked Ryan Zimmerman in the bottom of the sixth. And he hasn't walked anybody hasn't since. Hasn't walked anyone since. And that's five games now. Excuse me, six. Six. Six straight starts. So that, oh, that's... by the way, speaking of consecutive runs, uh, Wandy Rodriguez. It's, it's funny. I bring up Wandy because we all know that Bartolo Colon would waddle into the heart of Matthew Barry's fantasy team every year. <laughs> so so uh, Wandy's pitching today. Through five, he's got a perfect game. And so we, it's funny. I bring up I bring up Wandy as we're talking about Bartolo Colon because we, we know that Bartolo would always waddle into the heart of Matthew Barry's fantasy team every year. And we'd always laugh at Tout Wars and be like, ah, and then Colon would do it every year. Well, uh, so Wandy's throwing a perfect game through five today. And if you look back over his previous start against the Astros, had retired night, his last 19 batters. So he threw a perfect game over two straight starts. Uh, you wow. know, he ended up retiring 34 dudes in a row. And today it was because the strike zone was just stupid wide. And he was just spinning that slow curve and then busting dudes in. So I texted Matthew. I was like, hey, the Wandy line's got to get raised really <laughs> high because uh, Wandy's on fire. <laughs> and He's dominating. Yes, Wadi was it, today. It was really a strike zone. I, I swear to the strike zone was about twenty-two inches wide. Oh, so wow. he was busting dudes in with a fastball and spinning the curve off. Uh, and it was Kevin Cash got ejected because of it. Uh, you know, uh, Estherbrook was the umpire. He, he called out Joey Butler on a, a swinging strike three and was like so demonstrative about it. And then replay shows he was so off on it. It was ridiculous. Oh, so it was not his finest day back there behind he- the plate. Do you buy any of it with Wandy? He had a big, he had a no, big spring training with uh, the strikeouts and walks. I think he got on some people's radars who are starting to, you know, really kind of hone in on strikeout to walk ratio. In spring training, obviously he got cut from Atlanta, which I thought was okay. You can't even make Atlanta, so I'm not really that in, intrigued. Two big starts in a row. I'm a longtime Wandy supporter. I'm not sure I can really find much to get geeked about here at age 36, but. Uh, the one thing I will say is that if he keeps missing bats, I'd be more inclined to, to, to jump in here. But as it stands right now, it would take a pretty deep lead for me to consider Wandy. I'm talking like a 20-team mixer. Oh, yeah. He had to do a yoga session pretty much in the middle of the game today because his back tightened up on him uh, oh, in the early at six. So that's – no, I mean he was 87 in this game. But honestly, it was taking advantage of the strike zone that was given to him. And okay. he's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm all over this. But no, I didn't see anything that was – it was the same old Wandy. But, you know, the old Wandy used to work like 89, 91, 92. This Wandy's in the in mid to upper 80s. All right, let me ask you. I'm going to go back to Cologne for a second. Let me ask you about a few guys with him. Cologne or teammate Jacob DeGrom? DeGrom. Okay. And DeGrom's been been very good. Um, it hasn't been 100% what he was last year. Strikeout rate's down, but walk rate is down as well. Uh, still getting very good results. So that that but that one, I just, just testing the waters there a little bit. What about Cologne? Or Danny Salazar, who went out today, had a gem, seven innings, one hit, one run, 11 strikeouts, of course, no walks. And then, of course, the one hit was the one issue that he has, a home run, a leadoff homer to Brian Dozier. But he's been Salazar has been great. He got a 327 ERA, striking out the world. Salazar or Cologne right now? Uh, no, Salazar, this is his third, strike, uh, his third game this season with 10 or more strikeouts. He had two in his career before this year. So no, three, three of his first seven. 
and and again, that that division is going to play into his favor as long as he's not playing the Royals. Royals make a ton of contact. I, I'm to the point where if Salazar's got to start against KC in a two start week, I'm iffy on bench. If it's a one start week, I'm benching him. That is I, not I'm, a matchup I want him to. I, I do not want him in those games. I'm benching a lot of people against KC they, these days, or at least avoiding them in DFS. And I never really thought that that would be the case. So that that's very bizarre to me. What about um, Danny Salazar, or Shelby Miller? Still Salazar. Okay. Or Cologne. Cologne versus Miller. I, I, wash. Yeah. Just it, because it, of the it's teams. It's Miller for me because cause Cologne's older. But, yeah, it, it, that one's very close. I, I'm, I'm just betting on the uh, on the guy more likely to stay upright all year. I, and I know Cologne keeps doing it, keeps defying uh, time. But, uh, you know. If I'm if I'm putting those two together, it, when it when it is a wash, then I'm going to lean toward the toward the younger guy at that point. All right, let's talk about some hitters here. We we got some guys that are, uh, you know, kind of throwing throwing us off. The first guy I've never really been in on, but I think is you know kind of kind of catching a little bit of fire, and people aren't interested. Uh, it's Jed Jerko. He was absolutely brutal in April, like a hilarious 384 OPS. But in his last nine, he's got an 11-12 OPS. That's 1.112 for those of you that uh, don't understand when I say 11-12. So that's obviously good. Uh, I just, I guess because I never really buy in this guy that his hot streaks don't make me think, oh, it's time to start looking now because I know he had the, the, the 23 homer rookie season. But, I mean, he hasn't shown anywhere near that kind of power since. And so I'm wondering if that was the fluke or if, his power's coming back soon. Raised his OPS about 200 points this month already. Uh, is raised his batting average 60 points with what he's done. And looking at roughly, yeah, 25 plate appearances. He's got four strikeouts and uh, zero walks. So it seems like he's like, okay, I'm just going to start swinging. You would like to see some walks thrown in there, but he's got zero this month. He had four. Uh, he's got four in the season, but he hasn't walked uh, in a game since April 21st. So this is a this is a, an approach that could fall apart. I mean, when I look at a guy that's got uh, you know seven strikeouts and no walks in like his last forty at bats, that's not the kind of guy I want. That's a, that can cool off as quickly as it's gotten hot last couple of games. Yeah, I'm just not impressed at all. Uh, a guy I was impressed with and I was really expecting bigger things from, and yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not yet cutting him, but I'm I'm starting to get into a point where I'm like, what's going on, man? It's Adam Eaton. He's, he's just been he's been nightmarish. He's been an absolute disaster. 525 OPS in 105 point appearances. Got the day off on Sunday. It's just not working out. He's supposed to be the catalyst for this offense, and you're not going to put it all on one guy. But you can kind of see, you know, why they're sputtering. They can't get it going at the top. There's nothing going on for Abreu and uh, and Garcia in the middle. Uh, Cabrera's. I, th- I think Melky's starting to get get going a little bit here. But there, there's nothing going for the heart of the order there with Eaton and Melky struggling. What are you doing with Eaton right now? Because, uh, you know, the speed isn't even there. Uh, and it really wasn't in, in spades last year with the 15 for 24 rate. So it's not like he has that one carrying tool right now. There's nothing going on. And he was supposed to be an everything but speed sort of guy. Batting average, big steals, big runs, and then uh, I guess everything but but power and uh, homers and RBIs. It must be a three-category table yeah, setter is what he was supposed to be. And, and we're not seeing it at all. So are you cutting him um, in your 10 and 12 teamers right now, or are you just trying to hold it, hold it out uh, and see if Adam Eaton can turn around? 
Uh, mixed league, 10 gone, 12 if I can bench him. I mean, here's the thing when you look at him. Again, the this year, last year thing. Same strikeout rate this year as he had last year. Same walk rate eaten this year is last year. The batting average of balls in play is is a, almost 100 points, 103 point difference, 338 last year, 235 this year because Adam Eaton is not pulling the baseball. You look at his spray charge, you can go to, you know, you can uh, go on the Fangraphs player page, check it out. You're going to see a lot of outs to the right side, which is him rolling over on a lot of baseballs. What he Definitely. does hit to the outfield is the center and left field. That may work if you're Christian Yelich and you're hitting line drives, but if you're hitting these pop-ups and he's making a lot of outs on the infield. And his infield fly rate sucks this year. Roof. Just not as this is he's not squaring up the baseball well. And the other we I think we talked about this two weeks ago. They're giving JB Shuck playing time over this guy, oh uh, and that's how badly uh, things have gone for Eaton. So I am uh, I'm pretty pissed off about this one because I thought I thought it was going to be a big year for him, I did big too. year for Melky, and just setting the table for Jose Abreu because I had Abreu as my MVP candidate. No, I really thought that they were going to be kind of a beast offense. All right, I'm going to start low. What about um, Adam Eaton or Odubel Herrera? God, I'm almost to the Herrera point because they're going to keep playing him. That's the thing. The PT is there. Uh, he's got five stolen bases, so he's on pace for what's that? About 25, 30 ish? Yeah. Um, just multiply by five at this point. Yeah. So 260 average is uh, 268 average. Okay. You know, if OBP league, no thanks. But uh, I'm getting close there. I, I'm. St- I think I'm trying to lean Eaton, but like you said, it's getting really close. Uh, then maybe these aren't going to be as close then for the other ones. What about uh, David uh, David Peralta or Adam Eaton? God. Uh, playing time's about similar. Um, I know. I'll wash. Yeah, that one's tough. I do that. That Arizona offense, I think, might have been a little bit underrated. They they yeah. they've been they've been showing some pretty good things. They're doing maybe what, what we thought the White Sox could do. And last one, just kind of get an idea where you're at with this guy because he's been playing really well. But I don't know if anyone believes it. Andre Ethier, Adam Eaton. Man, Andre Ethier's been killing it. You look, I mean, killing it. They're playing great matchups that everybody hated on. You're like, oh my god, I, yeah, that was your line of demarcation at draft. Please don't get me stuck with Andre Ethier. Right. Please don't. And then you know, he, yes, he's, he's not playing every day. I mean, he's getting more playing time now with Puig and all that uh, hurt. But you know, we, early on, you look at his numbers. You're like, holy hell, look at the look at the weighted on base average for this guy. I and mean, they were matching him up, and it was working out well for him. I'd rather have Ethier right now the rest of the way. Yeah, I would too. They're they're spotting him brilliantly against righties. Um, limited exposure against lefties, and actually four for thirteen against them. You know, I don't put any credence in that. I think it's just four singles. Um, but yeah, things are working out for Ethier. You know, might be a dead cat bounce, but the playing time. I, I need someone that can do something right now, and I I, I can't completely write off Eaton yet. But in some of these shallower leagues, there's going to be better options. This is where you watch the guy play. Don't just look at the stats. Go watch Adam Eaton's at bats. They're not pretty. That's the thing too. You're not seeing a guy that's stinging it and, and getting babbipped, uh, you know, what, where all of his good shots are right at folks. And Wait, there I, are have no Craig, good shots. I have Craig on Facebook chat telling me every time, God out of eating sucks. And I love you, Craig. And but yeah, he tells me <laughs> he gives me he gives me daily updates about about the guys doing well. He's my White Sox guy, so that's all I do is just rely on him. But yeah, he's like out of eating, done. What about uh, what about on the positive end here? We got Jason Kipnis who got off to a bad start. And I, I don't treat him exactly like uh, like Judd Jerko, just you know. But it is another guy that I don't see all the fuss about. I, I think his his quality work has really boiled down to a couple of hot months, uh, really over the course of his whole season. If you if you really look at it, the guy's never really had much of a sustained period of success. But credit where it's due. 
We're seeing that this, I, I don't know if it's because of the shift to the leadoff spot, but since Jason Kipnis has been moved to the leadoff spot, uh, he's gone from having a 522 OPS and then in the leadoff spot, a 1068 with three homers and three stolen bases in 68 plate appearances since hitting the leadoff spot. Now he's moving from the two and three holes, so it's not like he was ever in a bad spot in the lineup. All three are great. But either just the fact that he was going to get better regardless or something about moving into that top spot has really ignited Kipnis. What do you think of him? Yeah, you talk about hot months, 485 batting average and balls in play this month for Kipnis. That, that's how well he's, he's taking the ball. I mean, his, it's just ridiculous. 44 plate appearances, 1292 OPS. I mean, these these are crazy numbers, but you, you kind of look, April was not a good month for him. So you know that's like okay, what happened? I know there was some there was some issues about a back, a bulky back. I remember reading about, uh, but he is he's making, but he's he's not making the move to the leadoff spot. Kipnis is is making better contact when he is when he does he's actually swinging a fewer pitches, so more selectivity, making more contact when he does swing. Uh, and make and not chasing out of the zone. That was really what was hurting Kipnis. Twenty five percent chase rate in April, eighteen percent in May. So that's that he's being a, he's really absorbing what you're supposed to do in that leadoff role, and, and it's working out for him. Taking more of the uh, three point eight pitches per plate appearance versus four point one. I mean, this is part of this is what Adam Eaton should have been. Damn it, right. Exactly. So let's hope let's let's hope that he can turn it around. So Kipnis is playing much better. Uh, what do you think about Kipnis or Dozier? Oh God, I love Dozier though. Um, Dozier, I think yeah. there's more in the long run. It's still going to be Dozier. What about Kipnis or Marcus Semien who had a two homer day today? And I know that he's got the shortstop Woo. eligibility, uh, so that might kind of turn the tables but let's just kind of let's try to just judge them as second baseman right now and say can we use air quotes can we use air quotes for marcus simeon at shortstop by the way sure sure oh he, my god uh, <laughs> really pretty really anywhere on the dime i mean he's played shortstop all year but he had 26 games at second base and 33 games at third base last year so he's actually got the triple eligibility that definitely helps five homers now for him six rbi uh, six stolen bases excuse me he's off to a great start so who do you prefer? Again, take off the, the eligibility because I think that could tip the scales. If yeah. you're, but um, if you're just judging them by talent, are, do you have them really close, even? Uh, I still have Kipnis a little higher. Okay. Man, I'm, I'm torn on that uh, because, like I said, never been a huge Kipnis fan. I'll actually go Simeon even before the uh, before the eligibility, and then obviously that, that tips the scales pretty much uh, a good bit further. What about uh, Kipnis or Colton Wong? Colton Wong. Yeah, I definitely agree there, 100%. All right, we got to talk about Chris Carter. Uh, I know he's been, you know, we've been talking about him a lot on the podcast because, you know, he's been a pr- pretty big struggler that uh, is really trying to work out of it. And you also had an interesting tidbit about him. I will mention zero homers in his first 13 games, five homers in his last 17. He is coming out of it, but I want to give you a chance to share the tidbit that you had about him. And I gotta, and I have to put this up front. I got this from the Astros broadcast. I mentioned I did watch this game today. But you know, Chris Carter, his home run. You mentioned the five home runs, so he's up to five, and he hit his fifth home run on May 9th this year. He hit his fifth home run on May 9th of last year too. Uh oh. Uh, so let's guess when. Let's guess when Chris Carter hit his. Uh, let's, the benchmark. When do you think Chris Carter hit his tenth home run? Uh, May 28th. Uh, June 8th. Okay, so it took another full month to hit five more. Yes, and okay. then we got to 15 at July 5th. 
We got to 20 at July 24th, and they blew the hell up. But this is the thing. So people are like, oh, my God, Chris Carter sucks. This is exactly where he was last year. And this is the same kind of advice, the same thing I was saying about Pineda. And I think I said this last week or two weeks ago. If I didn't already own Chris Carter in leagues, I would be chasing the hell out of this guy. Because you drafted him for power. Power Power-wise, he is exactly where he was last year. Now, it could blow up in your face, but I am willing to make that bet with Chris Carter. So, yeah, the question is, does it get hot enough to have – um, an eight or a 12 month lead, you know, he had eight in July, 12 in August. He needs at least one of those months, but that's how he gets, he gets dialed in like that. You just, he's a good, the reason he's so good in Roto is because you're just supposed to set it and not worry about it and, and, and get to the end of the year. It's tough, but that's why I say, don't draft these guys. If you can't practice the patience, cause you're only hurting yourself. Right. I mean, considering he hits 20 home runs the rest of the way, ends of the season at 25, but that's still 20 home runs for you. And, you know, maybe use two of your hands and count how many guys that you can bank 20 home runs on the rest of the way. Sure. No, that that's a good point because yeah, you may not. I don't I don't think I need your hands to finish that list. I think I can do it on my own. No. And and even with his current pace, he's still on pace uh, for 28, which gives you 23 more. Like you said, Back it off a couple, and that's still getting 20. No, I, I totally get it. I totally get why you'd be willing to buy in him because he can get that hot to where um, he does pop another 30 the rest of the way, and that would be huge for Chris Carter. All right, let's talk a little bit about some player movement. we got a big call-up that uh, everyone's super excited about. I believe he's going to make his debut on Tuesday. It's Noah Syndergaard coming up for the Mets. And I've been really impressed with kind of the way he's handled his second trip around Vegas. He got, you know, he got kind of a free pass last year that I thought was a little bit deserved because the skills were still there. He's still pitching well. It's just the environment uh, really uh, punished him. You know, 10.4 hits per nine. We've never seen that kind of uh, ratio from him uh, of, of hits allowed. Strikeouts and walks were still in line with everything we'd seen from Syndergaard. So the 460 ERA didn't make sense. When it comes around this year – through five stars, he's got a 182 ERA. So he's, he's striking out more, walking fewer, and allowing way fewer hits. So he's just figured out how to pitch in an extremely tough environment and, and, and just been much better about it. So I'm pretty interested in him. I think he can be one of those guys who gives kind of the four months of high-quality work. I'd put in a substantial bid. I think I'd go um, – you know, I think I'd go at least 20 bucks. Uh, do you think that that gets it done, or are you going to have to go higher with him? The name value, I think you're going to have to go higher with him. That, a lot of people fair. have been waiting for this dude to come up. And obviously, you know, you come up as a Met. Oh, you must be the next Matt Harvey. And uh, no, the, the hype machine around this guy is strong, and it's going to cost you. So, okay, let's say uh, a 12-team mix. You got 100 bucks uh, or 100 buck budget. You probably don't have all 100 left. You're saying then 35? Uh, I'm saying 40. Okay, and then would you do it? Now, if you're saying it's no. going to take 40, okay, that, I knew that. I, I thought you would say no, and that's a big distinction, how much it will cost and if you would do it or not. I agree with you that the name value is going to push it up. I was thinking 20 is all I'd want to pay because I don't, I don't think there's any guarantee that he stays up. Obviously, he's up for an injury. Uh, he was originally going to come up for kind of the sixth man thing that they were doing with, with Rafael Montero a while ago, and then Dylan G ended up getting an injury, so – you know, you don't like to see a guy get hurt, but that part helps in terms of feeling a little bit more confident. But man, what if he just the first two starts don't go as well? G comes back after a short term. 
and he goes back down and you just drop 40 bucks. So I'm with you. You're going to have to spend a lot. I don't know that I'd be wanting to unless it was a situation where you pay 40, he ends up costing 10 and then you know the leagues where you pay whatever but then he's only a 5 or 10 dollar player. I don't know if you've played in those where you don't yeah. uh, you, you don't pay his actual fab for his salary. Then I might be a little bit more willing cuz then it's probably a keeper situation, but if you got to pay the 40, I I don't know. That's it's tough move with Syndergaard. Um, what about Syndergaard or this next guy? And, and it's not really a call up, but it's a move into the rotation. Carlos Rodon made his, uh, his first major league start last night and he was pretty good. Um, I he was filthy. Uh, I, I, I saw it. It was I, filthy. Yeah. I didn't see the whole thing. I saw most of it. I think he went six innings. I saw five of them. Uh, I had to run out and, and, and get some things yesterday, uh, in the midst of the game. And I, I wasn't patient enough to just wait till he was done pitching, but everything I saw, I was impressed with it. He's got nasty, nasty stuff got a little creaky early on and then he shut it down and i was really impressed with carlos rodon so he's in the rotation i'm probably going to give him an edge but uh how do you how do you compare the two between syndergaard and rodon uh rodon i mean that is the the slider is unbelievable the fastball he, he was touching 98 uh when i was watching it uh that's I'm, I'm loving that, and I'm going to go with that guy. It's probably, you know, maybe six out of ten times, six and a half out of ten times. Now, but the fact that I've laid eyes on Modon and watched him pitch, it's going to be a deal breaker for me. I have not seen Syndergaard pitch outside of an ending in spring training. That means nothing to me. Now, I imagine that there are still some leagues where Rodon is available because he was pitching middle relief, and I'm not sure that you know people would have been that hot to, to, to roster him. I would assume non-keeper. Is, is, are, are the situations where he would be available? So you got both available. What are you doing in that sort of situation in terms of uh, putting putting out your bid for for tonight between those two? Because you might have to go now that Rodon's done something in the major leagues, you might have to go as high. Would you would you pay something upwards of thirty five for him for the rest of the season? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would. I would probably go forty forty five. Uh, you know, I've been sitting on him in, in a keeper league. I drafted him in the twenty third round and I have a short bench in this league and I have I have carried hurt guys over cutting this guy no I, I I've I hear you about waiting him out so I I understand the excitement I'm I'm super geeked about him I couldn't wait for him to get him. I chickened out too I almost used him in DFS and I was like nah you know first start it, it can go sideways pretty easily for guys and so I balked on it but uh, it would have been a pretty good start for Rodon he he just he looked good uh eight strikeouts four walks but again the same sort of scenario that we're talking about with Richards where you never were really terrified by them you're not like oh god this guy can't find the plate he's toast it was more of like Okay, you don't have to be that fine. You could maybe dial it down a little bit and put some of these in the zone. But I was impressed. I, I, I think he's up. I think he's in the rotation to stay, um, and he should be. So uh, hopefully the the White Sox are smart there. I agree with you. Put a bigger bid on Rodon than Syndergaard, 100. percent All right, and the last call up is a very intriguing one. He's off to a rough start, but it's been a few games. So I, you know, don't go looking on your wire tonight and say, "Oh, this guy's one for 11. He sucks." I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Preston Tucker called up by the Houston Astros. Not a heralded prospect, mostly because of their system depth. Um, you know, he was a seventh rounder, so that's part of it too, a college guy. But all he's ever done is hit. The dude just hit his way throughout the minors. Always kind of that uh, – he reminds me a bit of Devin Travis because uh, drafted later, not, not in terms of size or, or – th- I'm just talking about pedigree. Came from a top college, University of Florida. Uh, Travis was from Florida State. Both came from not really a top college, but 
aren't they good? Isn't that aren't they good baseball college? They are. It just I hate the Gators, but yes, oh, okay, they're, they're yeah, both sorry. good colleges. I like, no, I was like, oh yeah, uh, I, I I know they're no, they're no UCF, but both Florida State and and University of Florida are, are quality baseball colleges. Uh, never really super young for his level was Preston Tucker, but eight ninety nine, eight seventy two, eight thirty four, and then ten twenty eight are his uh, OPS totals coming up. He's twenty four years old. What do you think of this guy? Can he be you know uh, kind of what we saw in the minors, a twenty eighty sort of guy? I mean, environments in the minors, he didn't play in Lancaster. That's always going to help. Definitely. Uh, this year, here's the weird thing this year in Fresno three homers and 10, I'm sorry, three doubles and 10 home runs. That's some extreme home run to fly ball favoritism. You don't see a lot of lopsided. I mean, that's like an Adam Dunn line where you have that many more home runs and doubles. Uh, and that, that's coming out for him. I did watch I did see uh, one of his plate appearances last night. Long swing. I mean, to me, ends up in the major leagues. He could end up being a reserve guy and maybe on the strong side of a platoon if everything peaks out right for him. Okay. Uh, bigger dude and maybe some cheap power. I, I do have a bid on him, a bid in on him in AL Tout Wars uh, because I'm hurting for offense uh, because of the injuries and such. So I do have a bid on him, but uh, I'm not expecting too much. I think. I think he's not supposed to be all that great at defense either. That might be another reason why he wasn't terribly heralded coming up. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen him play. So I, I, I'm really going a lot off the numbers here and, and a couple of things I heard uh, when he was talked about on a podcast actually with Jeff Lunau, though. So, you know, he's probably going to say something favorable about him, understandably speaking. I'm, I'm putting a couple bids in on him um, just because, you know, if you can get some decent offense, like you said, strong side platoon. I say take a shot. All right, we got to finish up with some bullpen talk here. Steve Shishek was awful again. Uh, just no command of what's going on with his pitches. You know, Ichiro almost saved him with an amazing deke, an actual good deke in the outfield, Torrey Hunter, an actual good quality deke that actually did something, Torrey Hunter. Um, not directing that at anybody specifically. But what do you think of Steve Ciszek? Is it A.J. Ramos' time in Mil- uh, Milwaukee, in Miami? It may be. I mean, the velocity is not where it should be for him. That's kind of that's kind of the disappointing thing where it has been historically. Now, this year, it, it, it's not getting any better. It's kind of where it's been 90. I'm looking at his game-by-game velocity. His low point was a 90.1. His high point's a 92.2, and that was earlier this week. Uh, but if you go back and look at, you know, you look at his where he has been in the past, the last couple of years, there's definitely a velocity issue. So he's not, uh, he's not throwing with the velocity that he needs to. So that's always, anytime with a reliever, that's always a concern because his average fastball velocity used to be in the upper like 93.6. Mm-hmm. Now we're so he's lost three miles an hour off where he was in 2013. Uh, that's a red flag for me. So I, to me, I rest him. I mean, we saw. We saw Melanson going through this earlier, who we'll talk about in a second, but Melanson's bounced back. I mean, I, I was watching the game the other day uh, for him, and he was back at 92, uh, throwing 92 mile hour cutters again. In fact, let's just bring it up right now. He's got eight straight scoreless appearances now. It looks like he's kind of worked through his stuff. I think you can safely cut Tony Watson in leagues where you were kind of stashing, uh, hoping for the saves. If, you, if you're holding Tony Watson as a you know, $1 middle reliever or whatever, that's fine. You can continue to do that. But if you were hoping to get those saves soon, I think Melanson straightened himself out. And you look at, you look at the velocity with him, 
Uh, Cutter, his last outing was at 91-3. His fastball, 91-92. So, yeah, it's the same pitch. But you look at his other – he was 89, so he's up two miles an hour from where he was struggling. He's up almost three from just three weeks ago in an outing against Arizona. So, you know, velocity looks like it's back. Maybe it was – you hear pitchers, "Eh, it's dead arm period. But his velocity is trending. You look at Brooks baseball, uh, Melanson's velocity is trending upwards. Oh, that's good. Uh, then the last one we got to talk about in the bullpen is uh, Jason Grilly. Been sidelined a little bit due to back spasms. Not a DL stint yet. Obviously, he is a bit older. Uh, he's 38 this year, I believe, for, for Jason Grilly. They say that Jim Johnson is going to be the guy who will get any looks in the ninth. I don't know that he necessarily deserves that. I feel like Cody Martin should be the insurance there. But uh, would, would you be picking up Jim Johnson to try to snake a few saves, or you think that's more trouble than it's worth? It's more trouble than it's worth. Agreed. Uh, would you pick up Cody Martin then as the insurance? Because, I mean, the, the one thing with Martin is that uh, I, I see a 1.5 homer per nine right now. That's three homers in his in his 18 innings here. Um, you don't want that in the, in the ninth inning. But like I said, I just I haven't seen anything out of Jim Johnson that has me super giddy. So martin's been a little bit creakier lately whereas johnson was creakier early on so i guess i understand but i i say either go searching for like ramos or something uh if you're a grilly owner or just sit tight and let it run its course i wouldn't really dabble back into the atlanta bullpen personally i agree and then i mean it looks like at least the one thing in uh in uh, Johnson's favor, the ground ball rate's trending back up, which is a nice sign for him because he was having problems with that last year. So he's a little bit back up in that regard. And That's Martin good. at least gets a strikeout. It's a crazy thing. You mentioned the three home runs. His left on base percentage is still almost 90%. So I'm oh, guessing wow. the three have been solo shots. Right. You, you, <laughs> would, you would think so. Uh, let's see. One. Two of them definitely came where he only allowed a run, so that that's so shot obviously. And then the latest was uh, just yesterday, actually on Saturday for Cody Martin. Uh, but he was that the one that was that runs. the uh, the Cody oh. Martin serve off the Bryce Harper oh, one? He sure did. Oh, he oh. sure did. By the way, okay. How do you pitch to Bryce Harper? Uh, uh, impromptu here. We, we we were done with the rundown, but we got to talk some Bryce Harper because he's been so amazing, so amazing. And I I just got to ask you some some rapid fire ones: Bryce Harper, Jacoby Ellsbury. Harper. Harper or Justin Upton? Harper. Harper Harper or Giancarlo Stanton? Oh, I think you I think you reached my point. I was going to say God was my point. I think God was going to be my point, but Stanton's right there, too. Um, well, then the, the, I guess I'm going backwards. Then Harper, Jack Peterson. You would still go Harper, right? Yes. Because I, I would, too. Um, yeah, I mean, Harper has skyrocketed, and we're certainly not the only ones who saw it coming, but we are among those who be- believed it was always coming. And, uh, you know, I know it's a hot streak right now. He's not going to stay at this particular level, but the dude is a superstar. He's not some overrated piece of junk that too many people still believe he is. Even now, they're like, oh, he's still overrated. Still overrated. Really. <laughs> still amazing as, as, as all Bryce Harper is. Still super amazing. If you're redrafting right now, what pick in the first round does Harper go? 12 team, 12 team lead, five by five. Top five. Yeah, I think so too. I'll be taking him over that Kershaw pick we did. Oh man! If the, if any if if there was ever a year to reach on Harper, it was this one, and we've been doing it the last two years. Yes. Of course, always anyway, a year ahead of shit. Always. Hey, that, that's it's just my nature. I'm, I'm a sooth, we're, we're soothsayers. We'll tell the future. Go go look at our rosters right now and get those guys for next year. All right, Jason, <laughs> we got to get out of here. We'll be back in a week. Uh, hopefully, you don't blow out your arm pitching for the Rays. 
But more importantly, I hope they don't lose any any other guys. Uh, I'll talk to you in a week. Yeah, hope, wish me luck. Wish me luck on that. Uh, also, make sure. I, did you get your chance? If, if you guys aren't listening to the Field of Streams podcast, make sure you guys are listening to that. I had a great time on it. I know they I was said on this you were week. coming on it. Perfect. I, on I have week. not heard. I have not listened to anything this week. I have been terrible. Just, just if you do go back terrible. and listen to it, it's it's super long. Because guess what? Somebody on this podcast talks a lot. Oh, it's me. Okay. Oh, I know. I know. I, I really have to work on that. I know it's my fault. I, Which I day were you on? I need. I, I need to work uh, back. Thursday. Thursday morning. They they had me uh, up 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 early making sure. I was like, you know, like, now I can't even sleep in. Even if I wanted to, I was up at seven, ready to go. Uh, but yeah, go go check it out. We were on Brad Johnson, the three of us. I think we made some great picks too. That's that's that, that's the fun thing is sometimes when you yeah, go I back nailed, and listen I had a good to them. time when I was there. Yeah, the good, the good day I picked a couple. I was like, yeah. Sometimes you go back and listen to them. And you're like, oh, those are some pretty good picks. Not too bad. Okay, um, we're gonna answer one question too, since I just got it on Twitter. This guy Engels uh, is asking, which would you rather have this week only? Your Donovan Ventura, Tim Lincecumber, or Aaron Harang? God, just in a vacuum. It's, 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 it's really, are we really answering that question in a vacuum? Right? It's like, okay, what, what, and, huh? Right? I mean, what are the ma- I didn't even look at the mat the schedule I mean, this week. Uh, that's the thing. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be matchup dependent here. I'm trying to pull it up in, in a timely manner because I know Lincecumber's been pitching much better. He gets Miami. Oh, wait, no, he already had Miami. Sorry, I, I'm on last week's. Um, I'm, yeah, I just I did the pitching value meter for for I'm not Rotowire. getting Ventura coming up anywhere because he's, to... probably because of the suspension. I think he's going to pitch at Texas. I think his suspension's all done. He's going to. Oh pitch yeah, at... if this gets Texas, absolutely. And then, but harangue against Pittsburgh, harangue uh, against Pittsburgh, and then Lincecum at Cincinnati. So at Texas, home against Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Man, Ventura, the safe, Harang, honestly, the Lincecum. safe pick is Harang because you could just pencil in the number, the quality start. Six, three. Four. Yeah. Six, three with just five strikeouts. In. But I've seen enough of this Rangers lineup. I saw Carnes mow through it. I saw Ar- Archer had his issues, but I saw erase, the eraser do well against it. I saw Oda Rizzi do well against this. I mean, this is a lineup that Ventura could pile up a 12 strikeout outing against, but he can also give up three bombs. Yeah, I, I, I think he still has the edge because that venue isn't as scary. So I'll go with Ventura, barely. But uh, I don't think the other two are far behind, and that's, that's, that's a testament against uh, Ventura as much as it is propping up the other two. I, don't, he just, I haven't been as impressed with Ventura as I was kind of hoping to be this year, whereas both Harang and Lincecum have, have jumped up a level in my eyes. All right, got to end on that. Uh, we'll be back in a week, Jason. Until then, take care of that knee, and I'll talk to you later. All right, man, thanks. Bye.